0: Come on, give the Lord one more praise this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Stand with us if you're not already doing so as we stand at Grace Point for the honor of God's word. Genesis chapter 14. I want to read a few verses out of there and then we'll shortly go to Hebrews, the seventh chapter. But Genesis chapter 14 beginning in verse 17. We're calling this the Melchizedek disconnect. A lot of Christians really know very little, if anything, about Melchizedek, who he is, uh, what he teaches us about Jesus. The Bible says, and the king of Sodom went out to meet him. Let me tell you what's going on here Uh, how many members Lot, Abraham's nephew and he has been taken captive by an army that has attacked the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. They took all the the wealth of those twin cities uh, of Sodom and uh, they also took captive all the people including Lot the women, the children They took them all captive to make slaves of them and then Abraham, or, or Abram, as he's known at this point, is told of that. And so he doesn't have an army, but he has a clan. He has his family. The Bible actually gives the number, you know, be a big number to us. He has 318 uh, men of his own clan, his own family, and he pursues four trained professional armies. Uh, and he is victorious. He doesn't lose one person. Nobody dies. He gets all the family back, gets lot back, all the women, the children, and he gets all the wealth restored back to him and uh, with no casualties. That's amazing, isn't it? And uh, so now Abram is returning from this victorious battle. So this is where the story is picking up here. And I don't want you to look for principles or moral lessons. I want you to look for Jesus in this story. And so the king of Sodom went out to meet him, Abram, in the valley of the kings. And then in verse 18, Melchizedek, also king of Salem, he brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say I have made Abram rich. In this passage, there are several first. In other words, the first time these words appear in the Bible. This is the first time we see the introduction of this person called Melchizedek. This is the first time the word tithe is ever used in Scripture. And it's also the first time we see communion, which is bread and wine together. We see communion. How many knows this is long before the cross and uh, the Passover? And yet, when we read this story, what we're looking for is we're looking for Jesus. In fact, any time you read the Bible... That's what we're looking for, is looking for Jesus. And so this really is a story about two kings. It's about the story of the king called Melchizedek. He's called the king of Salem, which means peace. He's also called the king of righteousness. Who does that sound like to you? I said, who does that sound like to you? Jesus. Jesus. It's not hard, is it? In fact, Hebrews 7 says that he's without mother, without father, He doesn't have beginning of days nor end of life. He's eternal, in other words. Uh, That's not hard to figure out that that's Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. And then that second king is the king of Sodom. And uh, he was a king of a literal city and a place, but he represents something. He represents the self, selfishness. And you see these two kingdoms uh, at odds there. And both of these kings approached this man called Abram. And so let's let's get into it this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for the word of God that reveals Jesus to us. I pray today by the power of your Holy Spirit that, that Jesus Christ would be seen in everything, Lord God, as we look to you, to learn of you, to know you, to see you in all your splendor and glory. And in Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Smile, somebody. Look at them, hug, hug the neck, shake the hand. Tell them, welcome to Grace Point. Say, <clears throat> so pray for Pastor's voice that it'll hold out. <clears throat> if it don't, I'm gonna have to tag up with Ron. He's gonna have to have it this morning. <clears throat> Amen. Hallelujah. Um Melchizedek here, which is none other than Jesus, he shows up really unexpectedly, and he shows up with communion in his hand. He serves communion, uh, bread and wine to Abram. And uh, what he says is, let's just give God praise. Let's praise God and give thanks to God. And so why, maybe Abram's thinking, why should we give thanks to God? Because God's been good to you. And, and, And he gave Abram an extraordinary victory. And uh, how can one small clan defeat four professionally trained armies and not lose one uh, life among them and regain all the bounty, all the things that had been stolen from them? I mean, you know, like Abram, do you really think that you did this on your own? Do you really think that you're that smart, that you're that good of a general, that you're that powerful of a, of a uh, uh, you know, soldier? No. And what happens to Abram is really the lights go on. And Abram has his really, I think, first encounter with God's grace. And he encounters grace because he's looking in the eyes of grace. And you've got to understand this. You're saying, well, you're saying Melchizedek is Jesus. Of course he is because Jesus made several pre-incarnate visits to earth all throughout the Scripture. And this happens to be one of them here very early in the Scripture in Genesis 14. How many knows what I mean by that? Because he didn't, he wasn't limited. He, he came, and sometimes we, you'll see in Scripture him referred to as the angel of the Lord. And how you'd know the difference between Jesus appearing in a pre-incarnate state and a, and a, you know, as we say, a regular angel, is no angel will receive worship or adoration or praise, but the angel of the Lord will. Because that's Jesus. That's God. Can somebody say Amen. And, and so the lights go on for him. And what he does next is, once he encounters grace, he gives a tenth of all that he has conquered or won there in this victory. And he gives that to this king called Melchizedek. And, uh, and when he did that, he was literally declaring uh, Melchizedek to be a partner of his endeavor to be part of that, he, he, he blessed him. And so if Melchizedek represents or is Jesus, he is Jesus, then the king of Sodom represents self. And I want these are, these are the two kingdoms. These, the, these are the two. So Melchizedek, what does he do? He promotes trust in who? In God. But Sodom promotes trust in self, self-trust, self-righteousness. But Melchizedek is called, his name literally means king of righteousness. Sodom is self-righteous. Melchizedek gives grace where Sodom demands things. And if you look in the text that we read, Sodom, the first thing he says to Abram is, give me. He says, give me the people. And then he says this, you keep all the money for yourself. You keep all the wealth for yourself. That's the difference in these two kingdoms. Uh, Sodom demands, give me the people. You keep everything. You keep all the money for yourself. Uh, But that's not what Abram did. Uh, A similar thing happened as a parallel in the New Testament. How many remembers this guy named Zacchaeus? Wasn't very tall guy, climbs up a tree to see Jesus passing by. Remember that? And Jesus stops and looks at him and says, I'm coming to your house today. I mean, that's an, that's an unimaginable honor that God himself is going to come to this guy's home. And so when, when he goes to Zacchaeus' house and he shows up for dinner, he does this unexpectedly. Zacchaeus didn't know that was going to happen to him. And he brings the favor of God to a man who did not deserve it. And the result of that uh, encounter was Zacchaeus said, Uh, to Jesus in Luke 19 and 8. He said, Lord, I give half of my possessions, of all that I possess, and if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to restore it to them four times over. How many can say royal generosity? Because that's what happened. And you don't see anything other there. It's almost a parallel story to what happened with Abram and Melchizedek. And so it was a spontaneous and joyful Uh, act that Zacchaeus did in response to an encounter with the grace of God. See, that's that's what grace is. When you meet the giver of all good things, you know what it makes you want to do? It makes you want to give. Now, go to Hebrews chapter 7, and uh, let's just read. I'm going to read a little more verses than I maybe normally would. Is it all right to read the Bible in here? Now, in verse 1, it says, From this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave. Everybody say gave. I'm going to read it for you in a minute. Now, a lot of people, if you mention tithe, <clears throat> we just received tithe, they get really quiet. Two things are quieting people off, it's politics and money. Or not really quieting them off, it'll really amp them up, but but here, the, the, the word tithe, we're in the New Testament, and Abraham gave a tithe. A lot of you, like me, were raised on, you know, you pay your tithes. That you, you had probably had preachers tell you that you owe it like a light bill. And if you don't pay it, then God curses you. Anybody ever heard that besides me? That's not true. And if you want a whole chapter on it, then you can get my book because I devoted a whole chapter on that. Because that's a myth. It is a myth that if you don't pay your tithes, that God curses you, that you're placed under a curse and all that kind of stuff. That's just, that's simply not what the Bible teaches nor says. But preachers like to use that because it's like putting a pistol to your temple and, you know, kind of, it's kind of like a Holy Ghost hold up or something. But God don't have to shake you down or beat you down. It's not what the kingdom of God's grace is about. Now, do we believe in tithe? Of course we do. We, we, we wouldn't receive it. We wouldn't receive it. Do, do you, uh, here in, in the scripture, it describes him in verse 3, without father, mother, I said, without genealogy, he doesn't have beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the son of God, he remains a priest how long, continually, forever. Now, that's Jesus. You can't mess that up. A seventh grader can read that and tell you that's Jesus, Okay? Now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham, everybody say gave, gave a tenth of the spoils. The word tithe means what? Tenth. Tenth. Um, so, so first thing that tithe does is giving of a tithe is a declaration of the greatness of God. It's, it's, it's part of our worship. It's part of your worship. You're declaring by that 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 this person... Is great, that God is great. Verse 5. And indeed, those who are the sons of Levi who received the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law. Now, he's talking about under the, the old covenant of the law. That is, from their brethren through or though they have come from the lawns of Abraham. Now, look at verse 6. But he whose genealogy, now he's talking about Jesus. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham, and he blessed him who had the promises. Now, you've got to understand that. that if let, Let's go back to Jesus' day when he lived. All right. Jesus. One of the stumbling blocks for the Jews to receive Jesus as their Messiah was that Jesus could not be a preacher. So he said... So obviously you need to know this. J- Jesus could, was not qualified nor authorized to be in the ministry. If you wanted to be in the ministry as a priest and, in, in you know, Jesus' day, you had to be of the one tribe, 12 tribes of Israel, you had to be of the one tribe of Levi. Okay? If you were not born into the tribe of Levi, you could never be in the ministry. Some of y'all look at me like y'all ain't never heard this before. You couldn't be in the ministry. Jesus was not, and as we read on, it's going to say that this Jesus becomes our priest after a whole different order. Now, we get the introduction of Melchizedek long before Moses is born and before the law is given. So anybody that tells you that tithing has got to do with the law is just showing their ignorance of the Scripture because tithing is here in Genesis 14, long time before Moses is even born, which is the law receiver and giver to the Nation of Israel, so tithing predates the law, okay. But if you're looking for excuse not to do it, you'll find one. If that ain't that. That one don't work for you. You'll you'll find another one to make up three more. Uh, but so it predates that, and and literally, <coughs> the word just simply means tenth. But it says here that Jesus is from a whole different genealogy than these Levitical priests, and we we'll, we'll look at that. Further on down. Verse 7 says, Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Now, who do you think is the better and who do you think is the lesser between Melchizedek and Abram? It's not hard, y'all. Let me put it to you like this. Who do you think is the better and the lesser between you and God? Okay. You with me? So, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Now, verse 8 says, here mortal men receive tithes. Everybody say here. Here. Are you here? Or are you there? You're here. Okay? And when you leave here, you're going to go there, wherever your there is today. But right now, you're here. Y'all better smile. I don't know what's wrong with y'all this morning. Here, the mortal men do what? receive tithes but there where you think there is he's talking about heaven but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives so he receives them now let me ask you this if you had a friend or, or, or acquaintance and they were dying with cancer god you know forbid but they're dying with cancer they ask you to come to the hospital and pray for them and you do and you lay your hands in, you know, on them and you pray, you know, your best prayer. You pray in faith, you pray for them, and they are they are supernaturally and we believe in that. They're supernaturally healed. A, a miracle occurs. All right. And then all the friends and the family of this sick person begins to heap praises on you and, and they start giving you glory and praise for healing them. What would you do? Would you just receive all that? You would just stand there and bask in it and go, well, thank you. No, you wouldn't receive that praise or that glory, would you? Who who deserves that praise and glory? God does, right? All right, that's not hard to understand. So you wouldn't receive it because it wouldn't be proper for you to receive that praise or glory. But here in the Bible, Melchizedek received tithe. Did you think he received something that wasn't proper or right? No, he received it. And by receiving it, he's, he's saying that it's, this is right. This is the right thing to do. Are you all with me yet? All right. So it says here men receive tithes, but there he receives them. God, It says in the Bible, in your New Testament Bible, that God receives your tithe. Would God receive something that's wrong for you to do? Is it right to give glory to God? Does God receive that glory? Does he receive our praise? That We praised him this morning. Does God receive the praises of men? Sure he does. Because why? Because it's right to praise him. You see where I'm going, don't you? Would God receive blame for the condition of the earth and the death and all that? Would God receive blame for it? Now people will try to heap that on him, but God's not going to receive the blame for that because he's not to blame. In other words, God's not going to receive anything that's not proper for God to receive. If you came to my house and said, I just stole this TV, I felt I led to give it to you. I'm going to say, I'm not going to receive that, my brother. Sure is a nice TV, though. Hurry up and get it out of here before I change my mind. No, I'm not not going to receive it. I'm not going to receive it. Why? It wouldn't be right, proper, legal, correct for me to receive something that you stole. Okay? So, So you... God wouldn't receive tithe if it wasn't the right f- for us to give tithe. Can, can, can you just see that? Um, somebody said, well, I think giving tithes is, uh, you know, legalistic. Well, then then giving praise is legalistic. Giving honor is legalistic. Giving worship. Uh, tell them I'll call them back, wish you would. it <laughs> hey, happens to all of us. Here, mortal men receive tithe, but there he receives them. And look what it does. Of whom it is what? It is witness that he does what? So, number one, God receives them, but would he receive something wrong? Of course not. So why does he receive the tithe then? Why does God receive the tithe? Does he need the money? No. Because when you bring tithe, to the, to, to the house of God, to the storehouse, to the house of the Lord, what you're doing is by doing that act of faith, you are proclaiming that he lives and that he is alive. Now, when bread, and, bread and wine, we believe in receiving communion. We do communion around here. And so we receive the bread and wine. So when we do communion here at Grace Point, we are remembering the Bible says the Lord's what? His death. And it says, as often as you do this, you're doing this in remembrance of me. Remembrance of what? Remembrance of his death, burial, and resurrection, his crucifixion. So when we do communion, we are symbolizing and, 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 and portraying the Lord's death. We are proclaiming. Actually, the Bible says when you do communion, you're proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. You're proclaiming the Lord's death. So when we receive the tithe, we're proclaiming by that that God lives that he lives. and It's no accident. God wrote the Bible. Genesis 14, you see communion showing up first, communion, bread and wine. Melchizedek gives him bread and wine. There is no motive on Abram's part to give to get blessed because you're already blessed. We don't give to get. We're blessed already, therefore we give. It's different. A lot of Christians don't have that understanding, and a lot of peop- uh, uh, people are gullible, and they and, 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 and people and ministers that use the gospel as a just—they're—they're—they're they're, they're just charlatans, and they use that. You know, you send me fifty dollars, and God will bless you. You ever heard that? You send me a thousand dollars, and if you sow a thousand dollars in my ministry, then God will bless you. You know, 100 folks—that's all bull. Don't listen to any of that. You're already blessed of God. Before you do anything, you're blessed of God. You're blessed of the Lord. Now, I'm going to explain here in just a second. There's things going on in this earth because this ain't heaven yet. And everything that God has given us is a remedy for the problem and the fall of Adam Amen. and man. And the tithe is that as well. So the reason God says in verse 8 that when you tithe, then what you're doing is you're proclaiming that he lives. And uh, verse 9 now, verse 9, Even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak. Now, listen. Now look at me. Listen to me. This is the only time in the entirety of the Bible that the word paid is in front of tithes. You've got to understand that that word that has been translated into English there, paid, is a Greek word. And that Greek word does not mean pay like pay something you owe. You can get your concordance. You can check me out on all this. But the, the, the word pay, and uh, in fact, let me say it to you like this the word paid, P A I D, is not even in the King James uh, Version of the Bible. Uh, uh, I think it appears one time. and has nothing to do with, with this. If you look this word up with a concordance, you understand what I mean by that? In other words, you're going back to the original language. The word uh, paid here is simply another word, decos. Decos means uh, deck is ten. Uh, it's, it just means tenth, tithe. So it's not like paid. And so preachers have grabbed that one word, and then they used it to to try to extract, you know, like your light bill. And I and I and I believed that for many years. I preached it too, until I learned better. And, uh, and and they would use fear to motivate people, you know. you know. And if you don't pay it, you know, to the church, you're going to pay it in doctor bills and, and, and you know, and breakdowns and you, stuff like that. And they're just speaking curses on you. And the people, you know, they come up fear and trembling, you know. I don't want God to curse me. Here's my money, you know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's just crazy. But, I mean, I'm going to tell you, at the average church right here in Valdosta, that's what they're preaching today. Pay your tithes. If you don't join the curse. (laughs) You know, just scared of people. It says, who paid tithe through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest that should arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron, the Aaronic or the Levitical priesthood. For look here, verse 12, For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken, we're talking about Jesus, he belongs to another tribe. What tribe was Jesus from? Judah, that's right. So if you're from born in the tribe of Judah, too bad for you, man. You can't be in the ministry because you were born wrong. Got to be a Levite. A lot of that stuff is still symbolism over in the church today where there tries to be a separation from the congregation and the ministry. I mean, we should honor the ministry and honor those that the Bible says that, that, you know, that, that spend their time in the Word of God. and it said, In fact, the Bible says they're worthy of double honor who teach and preach the Word of God but this is but you're not we're all in the ministry now under the melchizedek priesthood not just one tribe not just one uh group of people verse 14 for it is evident that our lord arose from judah of which tribe moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood and it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of melchizedek there arises another priest who has come not according to the law of fleshly commandment but according to the power of an endless life man i love that for he testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So today, when you're talking about the tithe, we tithe today out of revelation but not out of obligation. I don't mean by that that it's optional no more than praising God is optional or giving God glory is optional. To me, when I come in his house, I, I'm not, I don't look at praise like, you know, well, it's optional, I, you know, I can praise him or choose not to praise him. How, can, how can I not praise God? How can I not lift my hands and give praise to the Lord and give honor out of, you know, uh, my heart to to God? God's been good to me. He's been good to you. And so the tithe uh, has always belonged to God just like the glory has always belonged to God. And and it's it's, it's, it's always the same, just like worship belongs to God. And if it still belongs to God, then we should still give it to him. And so, you know, the, the reason for the tithe, why would God even do this thing? Uh, called tithes. Why, why, why implement this this uh, this avenue or this this thing? Because if it only mentioned it in Genesis fourteen with Abram, then we could just you know maybe I mean yeah, I still wouldn't say ignore it, but it wouldn't be as big a deal. But it's all throughout the Scripture. And of course, when the Levitical law was given, then it was mandated. And by the way, it wasn't ten percent. They actually had three different tithes that was mandated and required for them. To do and and uh and but but listen to me all through the scripture, this is what it says about the tithe it says the tithe belongs to God and and it's the Lord's and it's holy and and it doesn't change because we come into the new covenant because again the tithe predates that. But if I said to my wife, uh, you know, in other words, all, all th- let me say it like this all through the Bible, tithing again is not paid. It's not paid, but it does belong to God, but you bring it to him. That, that's why we don't pass a plate. Once I got that revelation, I, I quit. Because they, don't, they didn't pass a plate in the Bible. Now, they did have something similar like what we got at the back, boxes and so forth. And where and People could do that. that. That's actually biblical as well. But the people brought, they brought the tithe. If I said bring me my phone, that would be proper because it's my phone and you're bringing it to me. That's that's the way it is with God with the time. You're bringing that to him. Do you know that there were 413 commandments in the law? Uh, but, you know, but all you really kind of focus on or know about or what the main aspect of that is the Ten Commandments. Why ten? Why not nine? Why not 15? Why not 12? Why not the 12 commandments? Or why not the seven commandments? But why is it always... Ten commandments. Because the ten represents the whole. The ten, in other words, so the Bible teaches us that if you were to obey the ten commandments, you have obeyed all the law. They are fulfilled and encapsulated in those ten. No human has ever been able to keep the ten, by the way, but Jesus. Okay? So don't kid yourself. That's a whole nother message. I talk about it fairly often right here, but no, nobody's keeping the ten commandments today. Nobody. And uh, they've, they've changed them to the nine commandments, and they don't keep them. Because everybody's breaking the commandments about the Sabbath. And that's the only commandment out of the ten that says, remember, don't, don't forget this one. That's the one everybody breaks. So, unless you don't move out your house from Sundown Friday night to Sundown Saturday night, and you don't mow your grass, cut your azaleas, uh, go shopping, do anything, if you're just sitting home on every Friday night, you know, from Sundown to Saturday night, Sundown, then you're keeping the Sabbath. If you moved, then you broke it. And the Bible says if you break one commandment, how many are you guilty of breaking? Okay. That's why we need Jesus. Because he kept them on my behalf. So I'll get my account accredited for full obedience because of his obedience, not mine. Amen. That's called grace, y'all. So uh, that's why it's the 10. All right. So why would God. So you, you go over to Malachi. And, and that's why I don't, just don't even go there. But there's hardly a preacher in America that will preach on tithe that don't start out reading Malachi 3.10. And that's where it says, you know, now even above that, will a man rob God? Yeah, you, you, you've all robbed me, you know, and here we go. And then, you know, it's like, you robbed me, and, and you know. But, well, but, but see, God is the one that wrote that. God is the one that said that. And and, and, and that is true. And God said, you've robbed. Well, how can you rob somebody unless, been, unless you own something? I can't say you robbed me unless you took something that belonged to me. That's just another scriptural proof that the tithe, God sees it as his. It belongs to him. So under the old covenant, he could say you robbed me because that belongs to me. And then he says, you know, bring your all tithes in the storehouse. that may be meat in my house. And then, and then God says, here comes your benefits package for doing that. That I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Your fruit won't cast forth before its time. Uh, I'll bless the fruit of your crops you know, the ground, you know, the, all that, and um, and I'll open for you the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing on you you're unable to receive. And most preachers use that as the motive, motivating factor to get people to tithe. They use the curse to scare you, and then they come in here behind it with the benefit package and said, if you'll tithe, then God will rebuke the devourer for you, and he'll bless your crops, and he'll open up the windows of heaven and, you know, hold the, hold the picture of blessing out and pour it on you. You won't be able to receive it, it'd be so much. Now, y'all get up here and give. And that's kind of how it goes. See, you don't get this plain preaching everywhere, like that. So. But uh, that's not how it goes at all. Now, let, let's go back to this. Why would God, you know, implement the tithe? Do you understand that when God's talking to Abram in Genesis 14, the fall of man has already occurred, of course, in the garden? Sin has entered in and death through sin. And Adam and Eve had disobeyed, and the whole earth was radically changed. And and listen, nowhere in the Bible does God ever say, I curse you. God never cursed man. Man has never been cursed. God would never curse, because God cannot curse what he blessed. And when God made Adam and Eve, he blessed them, it said. And there is no place in the Bible where God ever retrieved or removed or even toned down that blessing. Now, what happened in the garden in Genesis 3:17? This is what God said after they had sinned. He said, "Cursed is the ground for your sake." In other words, it's your fault. Cursed is the ground because, it, for your sake, this literally means in the Bible is your fault that the ground's cursed. Now, God didn't do it; you the one did this with your disobedience and your sin. Cursed is the ground. God's not saying I'm mad at you and I'm going to curse the ground, and make it hard on you, now to teach you a lesson. Right? Cursed is the ground. And then it says, in sorrows you shall eat of all the days of your life. Now listen to this. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to you. What's going to bring forth thorns and thistles? Where are they going to come from? From the ground. Any besides me ever planted a garden? Any besides me ever get weeds come up automatically? Thorns and thistles came up. Weeds. You didn't plant them, but here they come. And you actually have to work aggressively to keep them out because they will choke out your harvest. Is that right? All right, does that still happen in 2018? If you plant a garden in 2018 right now, and we've got a revelation of grace, but if you plant a garden somewhere today and you don't take precautions and endeavors to stop those weeds or deal with them when they show up, weeds will come up in your garden in 2018. Is that right? That is your proof that the ground is still cursed. The ground is still cursed because as long as the ground is bringing forth thorns and thistles and weeds the ground is cursed and that's your proof that the ground is still cursed. Now, one thing we got to look forward to is revelation at the end of this thing in Revelation chapter 22 verse 3, God says and there shall be no more curse. There won't be any weeds, thorns and thistles in heaven. You agree with that? There there will be no curse. So so what happened is, is the ground today is still cursed. You're not cursed, but the ground is. Now, let, let me say this. Sickness is part of the curse. Until sin entered, right, nobody got sick. But once sin entered, then sickness followed. And so did God give us a remedy for that part of the curse? Healing. By his stripes... You are, were healed. God said that when you encounter sick people in the New Testament, he said as an act of faith, anoint them with oil. Pray the prayer of faith and the Lord shall raise them up. Is that what it says? They shall recover. It didn't say everybody get an instant miracle, but it says they'll recover. In other words, God give a remedy for the curse, that part of the curse. Is that right? Okay, so the ground is cursed. we got a problem. Because me and you are still walking on the earth, uh, deriving our living out of the earth, trying to make a living in the earth. We're not making it, most of us in agricultural, you know, agrarian society like they were doing. But but our living still comes from the ground, from the earth, whatever you do. All right, but so so we have a curse. So what was God's remedy for that cursed ground? The tithe. The tithe deals with the curse. God provide a provided a remedy and he did that uh through the tithe see that that's what he was talking about in other words when we're in covenant with God through the new birth then God provided for his covenant people a way to overcome this curse in their lives now you could there's people today and there's Christians they say well I don't believe God heals no more well just get ready to die then I might still die but I'll die while I'm you know claiming you know my, my healing and I've seen God do so many miracles so many miracles Miraculous healings and and things—just just just wonderful things where where people's lives have been absolutely changed. And um, so, so God does it. But what I'm saying is, there's people that don't believe that God has a remedy for that, so they won't avail themselves through faith for that. The grace paid for is that right? And so, if they don't they don't access the remedy, then they'll, they'll they'll pay the price for not doing that. But it ain't God doing it to them. Do you understand? Now, so the difference here when it comes to tithing, that Christians that say, well, I don't believe in tithing. Well, I thank God that somebody do, because if, if, if nobody here believed in tithing, then we wouldn't, none of us be here. So if you're sitting here going, I don't believe in tithing, then you're riding in somebody else's chair that they bought. You're sitting in somebody. Because tithes, pe- people that tithe are the ones who paid for this property uh, to be here, the chairs you're sitting on, the air conditioner is cooling your body, I mean, it, it, that's what tithers do that. So if it wasn't for tithers, you wouldn't be here because we wouldn't be here. So you go on and say, well, I don't believe in tithing. Well, you're just a freeloader riding off somebody else's uh, deal. Well, at least when you leave, I'm not mad at you, but at least when you drive out, you, you don't have to figure out, well, I wonder what he was trying to say. I mean, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you might not like me, but it ain't going to be because I didn't, you know, get my point across. I'm not mad at you. I'm not angry with you. This is grace. But I'm saying that's like a person dying of sickness and saying, well, I ain't going to let them pray for me. I don't believe in, in praying for the sick. Well, that's just not smart. Let us lick your head with oil and pray the prayer of faith. Come on, man. Don't suffer. So the tithe is not for God. The tithe is for you. You've got to see tithing as a plus, not a minus in your life. Well, it don't make sense. Nothing in God's kingdom hardly makes sense to me. It's all by faith. Don't make sense? I can give away ten percent of my income and still have more money left over to end because it's God dealing in it. That's the same question you could ask: How could three hundred and eighty people from a tribe, they ain't even trained soldiers, go out and whip four professional armies? How can somebody dumb as me, you know, be blessed in this earth? I mean, because God's favors on your life, God's favor, and so God gave me a remedy. Because the ground is still cursed. This system that you and I try to, 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 you know, be blessed out of, receive a, a living, whatever you want to call it. But the system that we're dealing with in this world, the kingdoms of this world, they're not yet become the kingdoms of God. And so there is a curse in place that tries to stop you from receiving the blessings that God wants to have on your life. Now I'm not the guy sitting here telling you, you know, give thousand dollars No, you're already blessed of the Lord, but you need to access all the remedies for the cursed situation, but you're not cursed. You're not cursed. I mean, we we, we was at a place Friday and I, I heard, I mean, I just won't get too specific, but but me and my wife we were talking about yesterday. But Pete, I, I you know, I saw a man that that, that that wasn't successful in a lot of years, and he's giving his testimony right here from his pulpit. He's a member of our church, but he wasn't successful in his field, in his profession. But it wasn't because of lack of knowledge, lack of training and and education. In other words, he had all the skills in that business arena that he needed. But the skill that he didn't have is he thought God was against him. He he, he didn't know that he was totally loved by God 24-7. And this man came into my office, what he would tell you was the lowest point of his life. Right back there in my office. And he came from a place where his wife was so concerned that she called us and said, I fear that he may commit suicide. Would you please meet him? So Pastor Martin, who was with me on staff, and he has his own church now, Got you know with the man, and I was here waiting on him, and he walked in my office, and he looked disheveled and the worst I'd ever seen him look. And he told me all his sins that he had committed as a believer. He said, "I've held back from you, but I'm you know." And after I tell you what I'm going to tell you, you're probably going to kick me out of the church, and you don't want to look at me again. And to him, it was the lowest, most despicable horrendous sins that people could commit. And when he got through telling me his sins, why he had no hope, no reason to live, nothing, and was tired of decades of living like this, up and down, up and down with God, and always being defeated with no pre-plan, because I didn't know what the meeting was going to entail. I just rushed from my house up here to meet a man. And I looked at him, and, 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 and Pastor Martin was sitting in my office, and this man, he's not here today, but he's part of this church. And I looked at him, and I said, I said look at me. And he, he was looking at the floor. I said, look at me. And I pointed my finger at him, and I said, you are the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus I said you are just as righteous right now before God as you've ever been a, a, a second in your life you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that has not changed there is nothing that you have done that has changed your position with God he loves you he, he, he you are you are his righteousness through his son Jesus so I told him I will not tell you most people ain't gonna get that from most churches they're going to go, out, well, you know, whatever. And then you go down the slop, slop road. Why would you tell him that? Because it's true. Because you're not righteous because of what you do and what you don't do. You're righteous because Jesus is righteous and God puts you in righteousness. He puts you in Christ. And God declares you're on. And God's not playing games. And you're not righteous because you always behave righteously. You're not righteous because you always act righteously. You're not righteous because you feel righteous. You are righteous by being. Birth. Ephesians 4.24, read it, check it out later if you need to. But you were born righteous, in true righteousness and holiness. You were born like God, after God. 1 John 4, as he is, Jesus, so are you right now in this world. People don't understand that because you don't understand what got made righteous. Totally righteous is your spirit, man. When you got born again, that brand new spirit. It's perfect. If perfection had come, I just read it, through the Levitical priesthood. So what's God's goal for you? Total perfection. The Bible says two other times in the New Testament that God is the one that makes the spirits of just men perfect. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the one that has perfected us forever. Well, nobody's perfect. You better pray to God you are because that's the only people going to heaven are perfect people. See, isn't that one different? Well, nobody's perfect, Brother Dale. I know none of us are in how, what we manifest. No, but you are perfect in your spirit. And the more you learn to yield to what God has done in you through the completed work of Jesus, the more of that you will be able to manifest to this world to see. No, me and you will never manifest the total perfection because we're still surrounded by a flesh suit that craves. See, a third of you didn't get saved when you got saved. In fact, two-thirds of you didn't get saved. Because you're a triune being, spirit, soul, and body. You were dead in your spirit, dead in the trespasses and sin. You got a soul, which is your mind, will, and your emotions. That was all messed up because you died spiritually. And then you got a flesh suit that desires things that flesh desires. So when you got born again, what happened is you was already dead on the inside. God made you alive. You were dead to him. Now you became alive to him and dead to sin. And you don't really want to sin. That's why you feel bad when you do it. Because you really want to live for the way the, the true identity that you have is on the inside of you. And that's why you feel bad when you don't live that out. People, you know, the Bible talking. about, people say, well, you know, a bunch of backsliders. That's not really a good term. You're not a bunch of backsliders. If you're a Christian and you live in some, you're not a backslider. You're a hypocrite. Which one do you like best? You're a hypocrite. Why do you call us a hypocrite? I thought hypocrite people wasn't and acting like I say. No, a hypocrite is somebody that's not being true to who they really are. And you, who you really are, is you are born again, child of God, perfected in your spirit. You are righteous before God. And when you try to live any other way than that, then you're being a hypocrite because that's who you really are. You're not what you do. You're not. You're not that. You're what God made you. I am who He says I am. You are who He says you are. That's who you are. And you've got to start believing that and live like that. Y'all just let me know when I start preaching. That's who you are. And you learn to yield to that and you live out of that revelation of the completed finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross that he did in you when you were born again. You have now the fullness of God. You are complete in him. The only problem is we don't believe it. We go by how we feel, what we see, what we taste, what we touch. And it's just a big lie from the enemy to keep you pulled down. And when that man, I told him, you're the righteous of God. It would be months later that he would come back and sit in my office. Yes, we reached out to him. Yes, we provide counsel. We, we have ministries here that you don't ever even see. We can't get up here every Sunday and talk about all what we do. But we have redemptive ministry. Uh, where we help people. We, we, we take them through, uh, you know, uh, ministry and counseling and things to help them. And all we're trying to do is just bring truth, and, and, and once you believe the truth, that will make you free. That's all we're trying to do. This ain't kumbaya. This ain't like, ah, you know, be healed. I mean, it's, it's, you don't need a power encounter. You need a truth encounter. Jesus said you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. That's why we preach and teach. We're trying to get the truth to you because if you believe the truth, the truth will make you free. We don't even have to touch you. You just got free because you believe the truth. And he come back to me and he said, you know that day you pointed your finger and told me I was righteous God. He said, I, I, you know, I couldn't believe you said that to me. He said, I, I didn't believe it. But in my spirit, my spirit knew it. Now, that man today is so successful. I don't live with him, but he's so successful. Uh, and, and it's because now, and he's told me this over and over. One day he was riding the road doing what he does, and he called me crying on the phone and told me, you just can't believe his life now. And nothing changed skill-wise and all that kind of other stuff. What changed is he knew that when he goes out to work now, God's for him. God will never be against him. God always loves him. He always has God's favor. He is always the righteousness of God. And now that brother is killing it in a good way because he believes that he's got somebody on his side, and he does. Now, God give us a remedy. You're looking at a person who have messed up a whole lot of stuff, okay? But when I come back to God as a 19-year-old teenager in 1979, uh, the church I was involved with, one thing they drilled home hard was tithing, and they, they made a believer out of me on the tithing. I believed it wrong. I believed it wrong, and, uh, but I've always given. I used to give out of motivation of fear, but now I give out of honor. Bible actually says, "Honor the Lord with your possessions. Honor. It's, you're giving honor. It's, a, it's an endowment of honor. So we believe in it. And if people don't tithe as a whole, then they they can't be places like this. See, people listen to us all over." What you're involved in here and, you know, the practical, pragmatic aspect of it is more than just coming to a group of people on a Sunday. If everybody, this, and I mean this sincerely and I understand, but if everybody that calls Grace Point home and me, their pastor, comes on one Sunday, you won't have a seat. If I could just get everybody here on one Sunday, you won't have a seat. But you don't come every Sunday. Do you? <laughs> no, you don't. The latest statistics, I was having lunch with a pastor here in town. Uh if it's wrong, it's his fault. But he said, that, you know, the average person in America that says that's my church and that guy's my pastor, they attend that church 1.1 uh, Sunday per month. I don't know how you attend 1.1, but anyway, that's what he said, 1.1. <laughs> but that's the mat- mathematical 1.1 Sunday a month is what they do, uh, you know. Now, used to, when I was a young boy coming up, you know, because they had scared us so bad on the tithing thing, you know, like if we went on vacation, we'd be mailing our tithe in, you know, just so. And, and they'd tell you, you know, like you didn't want to you know, die and all have a tithe check in your wallet, you know, even like that, because it didn't count unless, you, you know, unless the church had cashed it, so you might miss miss the rapture or something like that if you didn't. Man, you don't know what all I've been told about stuff. And, um, but, but it was a blessing in those days because people were, We've talked about it, Ivory. And we talked about it, but 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 it seems like that culture is going away now. And really, we're more of that—if we're not careful—that Sodom self selfish thing. You know, used to when people missed church, you know, they would hope nobody saw them, or like you know, you didn't go to church, and all of a sudden they, you know, you your church folks see you at the, at the buffet line, and you're like. Oh. <laughs> but now they'll just hey y'all, y'all had a good service this morning, you know what Now they texting and Facebook and telling you where they at on Sunday morning or whatever. It's just a different culture. People are watching me now on Facebook and they they can watch me I mean people's watching me, hey Jeannie in Dallas, Texas. There's people watching all over. You know, whatever. They 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 have the ability now, it's a different world that we live in. Um but, but God has given something for me and you as a, as a remedy for the problem of this cursed ground. I, I remember, and I'll, I'll close with this. I remember when I first got saved and got married in 1980 and began my Christian journey with the Lord. And I'm still on that journey, and I'm still learning. But it seemed like God encountered me. In fact, I, when I started preaching, I even taught. Uh, I did, you know, close encounter of the third kind. I did a whole series one time, 10 messages, close encounter of the financial kind. Because God uh, began to encounter me financially, and I wasn't expecting it. Now, I was tithing and giving. So when I first got called into the ministry, I didn't start preaching officially until till, uh, uh, 1986 in the month of March. And, and her family was living in, in uh, East Texas. So we went out for November for uh, um, Thanksgiving. And uh, I had been in the hospital in August with an emergency appendectomy. They had to take my appendix out. They were about to rupture, and, and I was a really sick guy there for a little bit. And, uh, but back in those days, uh, you know, it left me owing 20% or whatever. Uh, anyway, but I remember I, had to, I, I was trying to pay, you know, by month on that hospital bill, and things worry me too much. I hate to tell you that it's my default is anxiety, fear, and worry, uh, you know, the flesh. I know you don't have them problems, but pray for me. And it was worrying me that I owed that $750, uh, Jill said close enough, <laughs> $750 to the to the hospital. And uh, But I was having to pay them guys like $10 a month or something. And I just, you know, that's, we didn't have much extra at all. And um, so we were doing that. So we go out there to be with them. They were actually going to a church that wasn't part of our denomination that we were in at that time. You know, or I'd have went to that, you know, because I felt like, you know, we were right and everybody else, you know, was trying to get there. And so uh, I don't believe that anymore, but I did then. And we, we went to this church, and it and it was a Thanksgiving service. You've been to any of those? A lot of them are really boring, aren't they? But it was community-wide uh, Thanksgiving service. We went out there, and and we was at this church, and we, it was actually an Assembly of God church, and a, and a guy was the pastor. I'd never been there, never been to the church anything. anything. But my father-in-law... Uh, and mother in law went there, and, uh, but just he and I went that night, and so I think it was, like, Tuesday night, Thanksgiving on Thursday, and, uh, the girls were home cooking, getting things ready for the big Thanksgiving dinner, so me and him went to church. Had a Baptist brother, and I don't mean nothing, I'm just telling the story, Just happened, happened, but a Baptist guy preached the service. We had all kind of people in there, Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, had all kind of mixture of people, and the church was pretty full, and, um, in this town, and, and, um, and so we were outside Tyler. We were in a town called Chandler, uh, Chandler Texas, I think, is where we were. And, um, so, and we were sitting back in the back, me and my father-in-law. And so the Baptist guy preached. And it was kind of a message like, you know, thank God, be thankful, you know, everybody give thanks. And it was good. And so everybody, he, and then the pastor come back and said, wasn't that a good message? And he tells everybody stand and, you know, and, and uh, we're going to give the benediction. So, you know, I'm watching people put their jackets on, their coats on cold in East Texas that time of year. You know, women are throwing on their purses. You know, everybody's getting ready for that last, you know, little prayer. Hope it's a short one. We're just going to shoot the gap and go, you know. So me and Paul lost that. But when we stood up, I felt the manifested presence of God fill the building. I didn't have no clue. I know what that feels like. I didn't have no clue what God was supposed to be up to. But I'm like, God, you know they're to shut this thing down here. You wait, wait to show up. And so he starts looking. I was sitting on this side, and Lynn Hildreth, the pastor of that church, who was dismissing us, he looked out, and he says, Sir, I, I got a word for you. And the guy in front of me was like, and he was going, no, not you. And so he kind of, no, not you. Not, yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, the ugly guy. No, you, that guy. Okay, and so here he goes prophesying to me. Now, what you don't know is well, I've been talking to God since I started preaching. Like, God, how, how will I do this? How will I be supported financially? How will I make it? Uh, most preachers are broke. If they ain't broke, they' badly bent. Uh, you know what? I mean, what? What? You know? How's all this going to work? My granddaddy was a pastor forty two years. I didn't, I didn't see him blessed at all in that area. I, you know, I was, little, I was fearful. And so here, he this guy calls me out, and he prophesies to me, and and God affirmed His call on my life. Uh, amazing things he said to me, and just, just blew my mind. And I'm standing back there with tears running down my face. And my father-in-law knows me, and he, and he can't believe this guy's just nailing me like this. You know, we call it getting your mail read or whatever. And, uh, and then, and so he, he, it's amazing prophecy he gave me. God said, I've called you to speak my word. You know, God said, the way will be prepared before you, before you ever go. And God said, I'm going to meet you. And, I mean, God just said all the, all the prayers I'd sent up for months, God answered all of them right there in front of everybody. And then when I went to, you know, when I got, he got to, now you got to understand everybody's standing for the benediction. And then he says this, he said, uh, God tells me you, that there's financial need and he wants us to, to bless you. He said, I realized we done took the offering. He said, ushers get the, the uh, buckets or whatever, put them at the back door of the church. And uh, he said, church on your way out of here tonight, obey God. Now you got to think about, it, we got Methodists, Catholic, people don't even believe in prophecy. The man's prophesying stuff going on. And they can say, well, I don't know that guy. I ain't never seen that guy. He might could buy drugs with that. Ain't finna get him nothing. Yeah, That's so how you know how crazy people are. So, you know, he does that. The service concludes, um, and so the pastor makes his way back there to me. He says, "Hello, my name's Lynn Hildreth, and pastor of the church." And who are you? And I said, "I'm Dale Young. Where where are you from?" And I'm I'm from South Georgia. And I'm out here visiting my my father-in-law. And uh, he said, "Who's your father?" I said, "Chip Miller." He said, "Oh yeah, I, I know I know Chip and, and your mother-in-law." And um, he said, well, we're glad to have you. He said, now, I want you to hang around a little bit. It's going to take us a little bit to count off, and I'll I get that uh, to you. And um, he said, i tell you what. He said, I, 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 I'll do this. I'll just bring it over to you, and that way you won't have to wait. I said, no, man, I'm need my money now. No, no, I didn't say, I, I, I didn't say that. I'm just seeing if you listen. I, you know, of course I said, that's fine, sir, whatever you want to do. And so we left the church. I got home. I'm telling her about it. And my mother-in-law, we're excited. Glory to God. I mean, you should amazing thing happened You know, the church here tonight and the community-wide service. I mean, you know, who, who thunk it? You know what I'm saying? And here we got this happening. And so in a few minutes, the doorbell rang. And so I knew he, was, he told me he would come over. So I go open the door. And he stepped inside. He introduced his wife to me. And he said, uh, uh, and, and he shook my hand. But, you know, he had that check in there. You ever had them Holy Ghost handshakes where well, there's a check in there? So he shook my hand with a check, and, uh, you know, and I felt a check. He said, well, that's your, you know, your, your offering or whatever. And so I went to stick it in my pocket, and he said, no, no. He said, the Lord told me driving over that for you to look at it and the amount would be significant to you. And he told me to tell you before you looked at it that this is one way he's proving to you that he's going to provide and take care of your financial needs. You obey him and preach the gospel. That's what he told me. I don't have to make nothing up because God's good all by himself. I opened that up, seven hundred and fifty dollars, the exact amount that I owed at that hospital that was that was worrying me. Now, back in nineteen eighty-six, seven hundred fifty dollars was like seven thousand five hundred to me now. I mean, it was just. I mean, I was even nervous at the bank; like they wouldn't cash it or they. I'd be in trouble if trying to cash that Texas check in there and being a Georgia boy or something. You know, I was like, you know, you know, I'm just such raised in this period of poverty. But God showed me, and I had. Thing after thing like that happened. I went out to East Texas another time. Uh, air conditioning went out on our van. Long story, very short. I ended up at Rudolph Chevrolet, El Paso, Texas. Went in there twice. It was nine hundred and, and you know twenty-five dollars. I know it was. Uh, I think it was around nine hundred dollars or something. I, I, you know, but here, boy, that just ruined my trip. And I remember when when I, when we bought that van, I was preaching. It was one of them little minivans. Y'all remember them when they were popular, you know, the little minivan, And the back seat would lay down flat like a little bed. And I'd lay all three of my youngers like that with them little footy jammers on there like cordwood and stack them up. Out. And see, some of y'all, y'all got to have your children in bed at 8 o'clock. I, don't, I mean, I, God bless you. But I know some them been out at 9.30, some other places. But if it's church, well, we've got to get them in the bed by 8. You know, we can't be there. Well, I'm preaching now. Since Jill's liking this, y'all, she's liking this. She's up here. She's... She's going to take a lap here in a minute. But we did. We know how to make it. So we hauled our kids because we felt like it's God. God's going to help us. We, this ain't, we, we're not being mean to them. I hauled in revivals and stuff. We did that for six years. So, uh, you know, uh, thing tore up. And I remember I came back to where her mom and dad lived. And, and after I hit them with a, and, and I didn't have the money to pay for that air conditioner. It took all our money to go to El Paso, Texas for vacation. So I was in there with that Visa card. You know, that's one of the time where I was really using it for emergency because I didn't have the money. So I'm in there. I done had on that card twice. Now, that second time, I, I picked it up one time. It was like five, $600, and I drove before I got back home with it. It still wasn't cool. So then I'm, I'm wanting to cuss now, but I'm saved. So I just <laughs> cuss to myself, and then, you know, and I go back, and I, and I said, well, I want to you know, and I, so, I'm, you know, so they kept it another three or four days. And so then when I got through, I'm about 900 bucks in, and, and I, I'm, I'm ill. I know you don't stuff bother you, but I'm just, I mean, the world's ending. And I go in there and slam the door at their house in the bedroom. I, I don't want to fool nobody. I don't want you, I'm like, don't talk to me, woman. I won't hear nothing. <laughs> I don't want to talk to nobody. I won't look at nobody. And I meant, but see, when I bought that van, when, you know, when you're happy, I remember I drove that thing home. And I went in the house, and they come out and looked at it, you know. And I said, bring me the olive oil. Glory to God, we were going to slick this thing up. And I anointed that van. I put me some olive oil on, you know, and I anointed it with oil. I did me a cross symbol on the front of the hood of that thing. And I told them youngins, I said, y'all, put your hands on this van. You know, put your hand on the van. And so we praying for the van. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for this van. You're going to use this thing to haul us around, preach the gospel. Lord, I declare that this is your van. We're going to use it for you and your kingdom. God, thank you for blessing us with this van, Send you angels in front of us. Let them be our rear guard. Hallelujah. Glory to God and all that. I slicked it up, boy. Now in El Paso, Texas, all my faith is gone. And I go and I sit in the bedroom like this. And I I sit in the bedroom and I was mad. And I don't want to pray or nothing. What I want to do is cuss. And I said, uh, I said, I don't understand you, God. Why do you let this happen to me? Why now why while I'm on vacation and why when I'm in El Paso, Texas, that I'm forced to go to a dealership where I can try to get some warning in case it don't even hold out and stay fixed till I get home. So I got to pay extra. And I know a Shade Tree guy could have done it for half this back at the house. But now I'm out here now. And now I got me $900 on that 18% Visa card that I ain't got no way to pay. I mean, I'm just giving it to him. I'm telling God, just telling him what a bad shape I am in. And when I got quiet for a minute, I heard the, uh, this is the truth, I heard God as loud as I've ever heard him. Was it audible? Yes, to me it was. I heard God say to me, I thought you said that was my van. That's what he said. He said, I thought you said it was my van. And as soon as he said it, a video played in my mind of me out there with my youngins, my little tribe, slicking that bad boy down out there praying that prayer of faith. And he showed me the video. This is when you did this. You, you declared that's my van. And for a minute, I sat there. I said, yes, sir. It is your van. You're right. That's your van. And if it's your van, that's your air conditioner that tore up. <laughs> and if it's your air conditioner tore up, that's your bill on my Visa card. <laughs> that's exactly what I told him. And I felt like God said, Now you get on out there and act right. <laughs> Call yourself a preacher and then act like this. <laughs> I opened that door, I went out, she am I telling the truth. I went out there, I'm like uh, Grandma and Pop, I like apologize for the way I just acted and act like, you know, a nutcase here supposed to you know, I'm just sorry for acting like that and acting like I'm you know, and I said, it's going to ruin my trip. I told him I ain't going up here. We're going to go to New Mexico. I ain't going nowhere. I'm just going to sit here. Glory to God. I ain't got no money now. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't going it." And I said, I'm sorry about all that. I'm going to go with y'all up to Cloud Cross, Malmogorda. We're going to do what we planned, and uh, God's going to take care of it. And, and that's what I did. So we enjoyed the trip. It, it could have ruined my trip. But we went ahead and enjoyed the trip, pushed it out of my mind, and I believed that what God said, it's his van. If it's his van, he's going to take care of it. How much stuff is yours and how much is his? If it's his, he'll take care of it. Went on home, just honest God truth. Went on home, went, I was still working I was at, in EMS then, went on to work. And a little while, my wife called me. She said, I just want you to know that somebody just came to the back door of the house. And she said, a man came to the back door and said he was praying this morning. God told him there was a need in our house. And he came and uh, he didn't even, he just came to the back door and he counted $100 bills to her. Just started dropping $100 bills in her hand. Isn't i telling the truth. And so uh, best I remember story, I don't know, we had like I think the bill was 900. I may be off on my numbers, but so the bill bill's like 900, so he counted like, you know, $700. Dropped the $700. She told me, "Well, we got you know $700." And I'm like, "The bill's 900." <laughs> brother disobedient. <laughs> brother should have Brother should have dropped two more on you, <laughs> you know? And uh really that's what I said, I mean cuz I know what the bill was. And uh so, uh, 700, that's, we're about too shy there. And so I went on that Sunday. I was preaching at, a, at another church. Uh wasn't even part of our denomination that we were in then. I preached that Sunday. I never mentioned this. I never mentioned anything about it. I just preached the message. And I was leaving. And it's one of them churches where they, the, preacher, the pastor makes you walk down the center aisle and go stand at the back door and shake everybody's hand kind of deal, you know? And when I went by, uh, this man uh, grabbed me. When I walked by, I'd be like, Brother Charles grab me. And he grabbed me and, and he said, God told me to give you this. And he handed me a check for $350. Now, I don't know about your math situation, but that put me over about $150 more than I needed. And when I left there, I I was more than paid for. I had the money waiting in the top drawer, just drawer, uh, just so I wouldn't be tempted to mess with (laughs) it. Until that visa bill came. As soon as that visa bill came, I hit that bill. I never paid him a dime of interest. God took care of it. And what the result of all that, it built my faith in him. And I'm trying to tell you, I, I can stand here and go kind of encounter after encounter after encounter like that where God started in my early Christian journey showing to me that I'm, I'm a real God. And I, I know about your breakdowns and your light bills and your car payments. And, your, and I know about your desire to have a home. And I, I know about all that stuff. And, and, and this is what I felt like God said to me. Son, if you find me to be real with these practical things, then you maybe you'll believe me to be real in these other things that you can't see, and God built my faith in Him, and 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 just and, and I had such a confidence in Him, and I can't tell you that I have never lost that. I've been through some battles where I've doubted it again. I'm sorry to tell you that, and uh, but that's my fault, not His fault. You know, sometimes you know you. You're kinda of like John the Baptist, you know. You you, you know, are you the one that should come or did I preach the wrong message? Do we seek another? I mean you can have those days of doubt. But God knows that too. And when you do, he's not gonna beat you up and beat you down. He's gonna say things to build your faith up in him. God loves you guys. If you don't get nothing else, get that. And I don't know, maybe you're struggling something financially today. The crowd this size, of course you are. A lot of us have challenges and things in area. And you know, and, and I wish I could tell you, you know, that the you know, brake trucks gonna, you know You know, turn over in your yard and they're just going to say, Hey, you can keep the money. Don't worry about it. It's just, you know, just, (laughs) you know. But however God does it, God is the God that knows those things. He cares about you. Now, the the tithe is something that God, a a remedy that He give me. And God's blessed me far beyond that I've ever even dreamed that I I could be blessed. I, I ain't no kidding. Uh, I was if you just knew, I was raised so, with such a poverty mentality. And, uh, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I ain't saying I'm 100% cured yet, but I'm still, uh, you know, there are times I get afraid sometimes. Certain things happen, bills happen, this, that, and you know. But I always got to go back and remember, same God that did that with that air conditioning. The same God that had that man count out them $100 bills. The same God that had that preacher in East Texas call me out of a community-wide Thanksgiving service. That's just still the same God I serve today. And he's able to take care of whatever comes up against me. He can do it all kind of ways. And then when I, I told you last Sunday, when I pray for money and he don't give me money, you know what I know he's doing? He's going to give me the means to receive the money in some way. He's, he's going to give me the means to make the money. And I told you, God's, want, God's got so many surprises for this congregation. For you people. And I told you if, you, if you missed last Sunday, seriously, I hardly ever tell you that. But please go back and listen to that podcast. Because God said, I want you to be more like the prodigal son. <laughs> and I was like, God, what are you talking about? He said, I want you to. Listen, can you imagine how, how that prodigal son believed in the goodness of his father? To even be able to ask his daddy who's alive, give me my stuff for you did. He knew how good he was. And he knew he'd give it to him. And he said, Daddy, I want that part that falls to me now. And Daddy never hesitated. He said, here it is, son, and here's your brothers. That's how, he he knew how good he was. God said, I don't want to just meet your needs. I want to give you your inheritance, son. i want to give you an inheritance. And you know what? Don't be like that prodigal and waste it now when you get it. God bless you with a bunch. Don't go out and do wrong things and make bad decisions like he did. Don't be like him on that part. But be like him when you ask your papa. And ask him for more than getting your light bill paid. Ask him for your inheritance. Believe in his goodness. Trust him when you go through financial challenges. God's going to bring you through. And your faith is going to be stronger when it's all said and done. Come on, give him praise as you stand to your feet. Amen. Amen. Come on, praise him real good. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. Well, ushers, I'm not ushers. (laughs) Oh, yes, that's God. I feel it. (laughs) Ushers, I meant to say elders. Uh, Elders, come up here and and my praise, some of my praise uh, prayer ministry team. And we're going to dismiss the congregation. If you want prayer, we're standing here waiting on you to pray with you and for you. It's always our honor to do so. We don't ever want you to feel like that. You know, we just kind of shoo you on out of here. We want to be here to minister to you, meet you, shake your hand, pray for you, believe God for you. Greatest thing can happen to you is you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the greatest thing that can happen to anybody. And so if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just believe in him. Believe in his goodness and you'll be saved. God will receive you and never reject you. And then once he receives you, can't nobody tear you from him. Can't nobody take you from him. You can't get unborn after you've been born. Amen. You've been born again. Greatest thing ever happened to you. And then on this journey, on this journey, you'll learn a lot. It's exciting. It's scary sometimes. I think God kind of likes that, you know, train about to hit you on a railroad track deal. And then it snatches you off right before it does, you know. But God ain't the one who puts you there. Our decisions, things we've done. But God is the Savior. He's called a Savior for a reason. He's our Savior. And so, Father, we love you today. Help the people, Lord, by the Spirit to see your goodness, to believe in your goodness, trust you, that you are God who cares about their finances. And it's not just about some church trying to pay their light bill. It's it's about developing a heart of trust and not trusting in Mammon, the God of this world, but trusting in you, the true God, the living God, and we thank you today. Help us not to be fearful in our hearts. Help us to bring the tithe and offering and just to say, Lord, we trust in you. We trust in you. And Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the provision you've released into this house and to these people. Lord, let surprises be revealed to them, even in this week. I just see so many surprises, so many blessings uh, that you want to unveil and reveal to them. Promotions, increases in their lives just where you show yourself strong on their behalf. Lord, we pray for all these families in North Florida and Georgia and all these have been so devastated by this horrible storm that you didn't send, that you didn't cause. I pray for those families that are struggling even today. We lift those families up before you. We pray for them. We pray for their comfort. We pray that financial blessings and means and support and things will happen in their lives God give them hope let them see you as the blessed hope so we pray for those families that's been devastated and and Lord use us as a tool in that endeavor to bless them so we thank you uh, for your goodness father we bless you in Jesus name if you want prayer for any reason you come up here we're waiting on you if not God bless you we love you Go enjoy this beautiful day the Lord's made. We hope to see you again next Sunday. God bless you.